For those who do not know me, I'm Drew Barnes. I'm one of the elders here. Uh, And once again, it is a privilege to open the Word of God this morning with you. And I know we just prayed, but lately I've been convicted that we can't pray enough. So let me just pray for our time again. Father, we do come to communion with you, to worship you, to delight in you. Father, I do ask that your spirit will be in our presence this morning. That by your spirit that you will open our hearts to the things that you want to share with us through your word. Pray through your spirit that you will give us ears to hear your word and minds to understand your word. Father, I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. We've been in a series, In Christ, our union in Christ, and this is the third final week. I can't believe already next week we'll start Advent. Um, It's coming quickly. But I hope and my prayer is that as we've been exploring our union with Christ, that our affections for God and our understanding of what it means to be in Christ has continued to raise and that we would just be worshiping God and delighting in Him forever. We start off looking at how we are crucified with Christ, how we, were, we died with Christ, and now we're alive in Christ. And then last week we looked at we are justified in Christ. And we've been talking about how our old self, the self that Paul explains in Romans 1, 2, and 3, and we'll look a little further about this old self today, but this old self used to live and dwell in this land of sin. But by being in Christ, by being crucified with Christ, by dying with Christ, we are now alive in this land of grace. Oh, what marvelous grace this is. And so today we are going to conclude our series in Christ, that we are sanctified in Christ. We talked about how we are justified in Christ, meaning that we were sinners, now we are righteous before God. So God the Father doesn't see our sinful nature, but he sees us as righteous. And we looked at how being justified leads into so many aspects of who we are. It leads into that we have peace with God, as Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Because we're justified, we have peace with God. Because we're justified, we have access to his grace. Because we are justified, Paul says in Galatians, that we are his sons and daughters. And because we are his sons and daughters, we, will, we are heirs with Christ. We will receive an inheritance with Christ. And we explore that part of this inheritance is that we will reign with Christ. That we will dwell with Christ. That we will be glorified. And all these truths bring us to worship the God who has called us, who has saved us, Oh, may our affections for our Lord continue to be raised 
May we delight and find our joy in Him. Today we will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. As you're turn there, I hope that you have your Bibles. We'll be spending a lot of time in Scripture today. And as you're turning there, again, we'll be talking about sanctification. We'll unpack that a little bit more, but we talked about justification, how it gives us, turns us us sinners into righteous. Sanctification is the process of getting the pollution of sin in our lives out. So let's face it, We've talked about this already, so it shouldn't be a surprise. We are sinners. Everyone sitting in this room, including myself, we are sinners. And we have pollution of sin within us. And this is where sanctification comes in. And so let us read the text for today, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexual immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, males who have sex with males, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbal abuse people, swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. This passage may bring hope to some. I hope that this passage brings hope to some. Um, As we look at this passage, the first thing that we want to address is verse 9. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Two things I want to unpack in verse 9. This idea of the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Romans 9, or I'm sorry, Romans 3.10 says no one is righteous, not even one. This is what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, where he says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. And this is in the context of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's talking, and in that time, while we may see the Pharisees as these wicked, evil people going against Jesus, if you were a Jew during that time, you would want your son to be raised up and become a Pharisee. These were people that were highly exalted, that these people looked up to. These were righteous people. And so if you heard these words that unless your righteousness suppresses those of the scribes and Pharisees, they would leave these people hopeless. How can my righteousness surpass those of the Pharisees? And Jesus says it's impossible unless we are in Christ Jesus. And there's hope that we will get to. And so take note, we'll put a little bookmark here, that we'll come back to this, but we are not righteous on our own, and we will never be righteous on our own. But it's through faith, and faith alone, in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ alone. So we, Paul acknowledges that the unrighteous will not inherit 
the kingdom of God. But this is where I want to spend some time unpacking what is this kingdom of God. In the Gospels, we have John the Baptist saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. We see Jesus proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, is near. Oh, and what a glorious thing this is. If we are in Christ, this is our future. This is our hope. And while I can try to describe the kingdom of God, I will let the word of God describe the kingdom of God. So if you would, turn with me to Revelation 21. If you never sat and read the book of Revelation from chapter 1 through chapter 22 in one sitting, I encourage you to do so. I know there's a lot of confusion in there and a lot of some details that we may not fully understand, but, oh, it's a glorious thing because this is our hope. And so as we understand what the kingdom of God is, let's just read Revelation 21, starting in verse 1. Then, this is John writing, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them in we will be their God with will be their God. And he will wipe away every tears from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more, because the previous things have passed away. Then I looked. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Write, because these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowards, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars, their share should be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is in the second death. Then the one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He then carried me away in the Spirit to the great high mountain and showered me in the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, a ride with God's glory. Her radiance was like a precious jewel, like jasper stones, clear as crystal. The city had massive high wall with twelve gates. Twelve angels were at the gates. The names of the twelve tribes of Israel's sons were inscribed on the gates. There were the three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. The city wall had twelve foundations, and the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb were on the foundations. The one who spoke with me had the golden measuring rod to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city is laid out in a square. Its length and width are the same. He measured the city with the rod of 12,000 stadia. Its length, width, and height are equal. 
Then he measured its walls, 144 cubits, according to human measurements with the angel used. The building material of its walls was jasper, and the city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundation of the city wall were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first foundation is jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, and the fourth emerald, the fifth sardox, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysopras, the eleventh jasneth, the twelfth embethyst, the twelfth uh, gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gates was made of a single pearl. The main street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. I did not see a temple in it because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God illuminates it and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light and kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never close by day because it will never be night there. They will bring the glory and honor of nations into it. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God of the Lamb down in the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations, and there will be no longer be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on the foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them the light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. This is the kingdom of God. This is what we wait in anticipation for. Everything that we've been talking about, that we are crucified with Christ, that we've died with Christ, that we are raised with Christ, that we're justified with Christ, that we're sanctified with Christ, is all in preparation to enter into the kingdom of God. Oh, what a glorious day this will be. I can't wait. May we be a congregation. May be we a body of people that cannot wait for the kingdom of God. And while we're on this earth, may we prepare ourselves to enter the kingdom of God. Oh, what a glorious thing this will be. To dwell with our Lord and our Savior. Where the curse of sin is no more. Where death will be no more. Oh, what a glorious thing this will be. So how do we enter into the kingdom of God? How do we prepare ourselves to enter the kingdom of God? Paul doesn't leave us hanging, but he continues. So if you jump back with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, We pick up in verse 11, and Paul says, And some of you 
used to be like this, referring to we used to be unrighteous people. There's this but, but you were washed. Oh, what a glorious thing this is, that this being washed, God did some surgery on us. See, our old hearts that was corrupted, full of the pollution of sin, that desired only the things that are wicked and evil, wanted nothing to do with God. He went to surgery and took this heart, took it out of us and replaced it with a new heart. A heart that grows and desires the things of God. Desires His kingdom. Desires to serve and glorify Him and delight in Him forever. This is a work and surgery that can only be done by God. For we were washed. We were washed by the blood of Christ. Oh, there's so many verses. Matthew 26, 28, For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Luke twenty two twenty. In the same way, He took the cup after supper and said, This cup is... The new covenant in my blood is which is poured out for you. Ephesians 1, 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Hebrews 9, 22, According to the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding blood there is no forgiveness. Hebrews 13, 12, Therefore Jesus also suffered outside the gate so that He might sanctify the people by His own blood. 1 John 1, 7, If we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Oh, may we never forget. May we not grow tired of hearing that the blood of Christ has cleansed us. That the work of Christ on the cross is the, our salvation. It's in the cross that we boast. May we not grow tired of it. I only really have one sermon that I preach. Forgiveness of sin through the death and resurrection and the shedding of Christ's blood. The forgiveness of sin. Oh, the great hymn, the old rugged cross, the emblem of our suffering and shame. And I love that old cross for the dearest and best. For a world of lost sinners was slain So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Till my trophies at last I lay down, I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. While we anticipate and look forward to the kingdom of God, may we cling to the old cross. Knowing that it's in the cross of Christ that we boast. And the cross of Christ that saves us. By the shedding of His blood, we've been washed by His blood. We've also been washed by the waters of baptism. Jesus Christ gave us the ordinance of baptism and oh, what grace we receive through baptism. As someone enters into the water signifying our old self, Self that is dirty, that is unclean. But through the waters of baptism, by being dunked under the waters of baptism, 
signifying that we have been crucified and died with Christ, just as we looked at three weeks ago in Romans 6, that by being baptized, we are being baptized into his death, and that we didn't just stay under, we don't just drown under the water of baptism, but we come back, we come back alive, alive in Christ Jesus. Knowing that Christ was raised from the dead, we too have hope that we will be raised from the dead as well and enter into the kingdom of God. Oh, this is a glorious thing. I love how the 1689 London Baptist Confession puts it this, puts it this way. Baptism is an ordinance of the New Testament ordained by Jesus Christ to be unto the party baptized a sign of his fellowship with him in his death and resurrection of his being engrafted into him a remission of sins in the forgive in of giving up into God through Jesus Christ to live and walk in newness of life. If you haven't been baptized, if you haven't made that public declaration that I am in Christ, that I recognize that I've been crucified with Christ, that I've died with Christ, that I'm alive in Christ, please come talk with me or one of the others. We love baptism. Acknowledging that baptism does not save, but as we'll see in a little bit, it does give testimony to who we are in Christ and whose we are, that we are children of God. Oh, we've been washed by the blood of Christ. We've been washed by the Spirit or by water of baptism. We've been washed by the Spirit. When God calls us to be disciples of Christ, He doesn't leave us on our own, to try to figure out this thing on our own. But He gives us His Spirit. Oh, in Acts chapter 2, Jesus ascends into heaven, and the disciples are gathering. And in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. See, we have that same Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same Spirit that dwells with us. That we don't have to do this life on our own that we don't have to try to obey and follow this word on our own, but we have the Spirit of God who dwells with us. We've been washed by the blood of Christ. We've been washed by the waters of baptism, and we've been washed by the Spirit. This sounds familiar. This isn't my own idea. It comes from John in his letter in 1 John chapter 5. He writes that these three give testimony to who we are. Whose we are and who we are in Christ. So I pray if there's anyone this morning who's struggling or wrestling with your salvation, of insurance of salvation, if you know that you've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, gives testimony to that. 
If you've been washed by the waters of baptism, it gives testimony to your salvation. If you've been washed by the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, it gives testimony to your salvation. May you find hope and assurance in those things, knowing that one day we will enter into God's kingdom and He is doing a work in us today, that we are being prepared for the kingdom of God that is to come. Oh, what great hope this is. And so how do we know that we have the Spirit is alive and working in us and dwelling in us? This is where sanctification comes in. He talks about how justification makes us from sinner to righteousness. Justification addresses the pollution of sin that's in us. We keep reading in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed. You were sanctified. Look closely, you were justified. This is how in the name of the Lord Jesus, our union with Christ, and by the Spirit of God. I hope and I pray that we can take an honest look at our lives. Can we see the working of the Spirit in our lives? So if you look back where when first God called you to be a disciple of Christ, to now that may be a year, that may be five years, that may be 20 years, 40 years. Is there a difference? Do you see God's working in you to make you more like Christ? Oh, and I hope that we don't have to go 20 years to see how the Holy Spirit is working in us. I hope that even in the last month we could see the Holy Spirit working in us, molding us, shaping us to be like Christ. I hope we can look at even the last week how the Holy Spirit is working in us to make us more like Christ, preparing us for the kingdom to come. Brothers and sisters, this may not be easy work. Because the Spirit has a chisel and a hammer and is chiseling some of the things from our old self out of us. And sometimes it hurts because there's things that we want to hold on to. There's things that we want to grasp so tightly. And the Spirit is trying to chisel those things out of us. It sometimes hurts. Sometimes uncomfortable. Sometimes there's pain. But may we know that it's for our good. May we know that it's making us more like Christ. May we know that it's preparing us for a future in the kingdom of God where we dwell with Him forever and ever. Oh, this work of sanctification is the grace of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. Someone defined sanctification this way. They who are united to Christ, effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection, are also farther sanctified, really impersonally 
through the same virtue by his, his word and spirit dwelling in them. The dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed, and several lusts of it are more and more weakened and mortified. They more and more quicken and strengthen in this all-saving grace to the practice of all true holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. May we know that we no longer dwell in the land of sin, but we dwell in the land of grace. And so while there is war between our flesh and the Spirit, may we know that we dwell in the land of grace. And oh, there's so much grace. There's so much grace that God offers us. May we rely on the Spirit of God, knowing that is strengthening us, making us more like Christ in those things that we used to cling to, those sins, that wickedness that we used to be drawn to are being weakened while the Spirit is strengthening us. Oh, and the Spirit gives us a great resource to use. The Word. He uses the Word. May we read the Word. May we know this Word. May we obey this Word. He uses the Word to wash us. He uses the Word to sanctify us. He uses the Word so that we can know God. Brothers and sisters, this isn't a calling to live a dull, boring, robotic life. Quite the opposite. It's living a life that God intended us to live. It's living a life that glorifies Him and delights in Him. It's a life that is exciting. It's a life that we get to wait in, with anticipation for the kingdom of God. That we are no longer slaves to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. Oh, it's a glorious life that we can have. One with pure joy. One where we have pure love from the Father, our Creator. Oh, may we experience this life knowing that we are being sanctified through the Spirit of God. Brothers and sisters, I pray and I hope that we are continually encouraging one another to rely on the Holy Spirit. I hope and I pray that we're encouraging one another through the Word of God. I hope and I pray that we're encouraging one another, seeing how we're becoming more Christ-like, seeing the work the Spirit is doing in and through us. Oh, may we be a body who is preparing to enter the kingdom of God. Imagine with me, tomorrow, you go to your mailbox, you open your mailbox, pull out the letters, you got junk mail, junk mail, bills, more junk mail, and then all of a sudden at the bottom of that pile, there's this special letter. And it's addressed from the Queen of England. sure you probably open that letter quite quickly. At that mailbox, you rip it open, and you see it's a handwritten letter from the Queen of England inviting you 
to join her in the royal family for dinner Tuesday night. There's plane tickets already for you, so you have to grab your family, throw clothes in a bag, take a flight to England to have dinner with the queen and the royal family. It's a little stressful. Probably won't be prepared. How about this? Another example. If we take that, you're back at your mailbox. It's Monday again. Well, Groundhog's Day. You get the same letter from the Queen of England. And instead of saying, I want to have dinner with you the next day on Tuesday, I want to have dinner with you in a year from now. So next November, we're going to have dinner. That gives you a little bit of time to prepare. If that was me, I would make sure I would go pick out the right outfit to wear. I would go pick up etiquette for dummies. And how do I interact with royalty? I'd be reading all the articles that I could find on the do's and don'ts. I'd be probably refreshing my memory of European history and the royal family and who's who. I'll be making preparations to meet the Queen of England. And in the same way, may we be making preparations through the sanctification of the Spirit so that when we enter the kingdom of God, We'll be prepared and we already know who this God is, that He is a loving, just, merciful, gracious God. That we will be submitting ourselves to the Spirit so that we will be more like Christ. And so when we enter the kingdom of God, we would be prepared to worship and glorify God, our Creator, our Lord, our Savior. Oh, may we not be confuse and make a fool of ourselves before our God, but may we stand and worship in the crowns that we have. May we lay them down at the feet of Jesus, giving Him all glory and honor and praise because of what He has done for us, that He has redeemed us. He has called us back into a relationship so that we no longer have to run and hide but He has called us as a loving Father who desires a relationship with us, who desires to dwell with us forever and ever. Oh, may this be our hope. And so, I don't know where everyone is at. I don't know all the struggles. But through times of struggles, through times of trouble, through times of grief and suffering, may we know that God is preparing us for a future kingdom. May that give us hope. May it drive us to prepare through the working of the Spirit. May we desire to live according to His will, according to the Word. May we be obedient. So one day, May we come face to face with our Savior and our God. May we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
Oh, if you don't know this God, if you don't know this relationship we can have with this God, please come talk with me. I'd love to walk through Scripture with you. I'd love to talk with you about the glories and the wonders that we have with our union with Christ, that we are crucified with God, with Christ. We're cru- we've been, we died with Christ. We raised with Christ. We are justified with Christ. We're sanctified with Christ. Oh, what wonderful truths. Brothers and sisters, May we not forget about our union with Christ. Over the last three weeks, we've only scratched the surface. So you can see if we see our union with Christ as a diamond, we hold that diamond every time we turn that diamond or see it at a new angle, we see more and more beauty. So may we continue to search the Scriptures, to understand who we are in Christ and our union with Christ. May we know that we are justified, that we are righteous in Christ, that He is doing a work in us, preparing us for a future kingdom. May this give us hope. May this draw us to worship our God can't wait for that day. Let us pray. Oh, glorious God. We anticipate the day that we will be in your kingdom forever and ever. We will dwell with you forever and ever. But until that day, By your Spirit, may you sanctify us. Continue to sanctify us so that we become more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you do give us your Spirit who works in us, who dwells with us, will never leave us. May we be a people preparing to enter your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.